are back with another episode of the Fed Advantage podcast. My name is Dan Delatori, and today we're going to be talking six steps to financial success. So our question is, are you making smart decisions with your money that will help you accomplish your future goals? Sound financial management is a process that begins with your first paycheck and continues through each stage of life. Every decision that you make about money today forms the foundation for your financial future. We've developed a six-step plan that will help you achieve financial success. Six steps that can take you from where you are now to where you want to be. They're designed to help you protect what you have, take control of your cash flow, invest wisely, manage your taxes, save for retirement, and to leave a legacy. Let's start with the first step, protect what you have. Many individuals attempt to achieve financial success without protecting what they already have. That can be a mistake. A well-designed risk management program can help protect you in the event of a disaster without burdening you for payments on protection you don't really need. You may be concerned about having insurance protection for life's challenges, but you may not know exactly how much coverage you need. In order to be adequately insured, you should consider six key areas of insurance, medical, long-term care, disability, liability, property casualty, and life insurance. Even if you have group insurance through your employer, it may not be sufficient for your family's needs. And if you were to ever leave your job, you would also lose coverage. That's why you may want to consider purchasing an individual policy to enhance or supplement your group insurance coverage. Once you have taken steps to help protect what you have, your next task is to take control of your cash flow. This step involves reviewing your budget, creating a liquidity fund, positioning your available cash, and building your net worth. Often, this is easier than you think. Effective cash management consists of three main steps. The first is to access and take control of your current situation. You can't control spending if you have no idea what you're spending your money on. Now can you? Once you see where you're wasting capital, you can put it to work more productively. Second is to build a cash reserve or emergency fund. This is your rainy day money that you set aside for life's little and not so little emergencies. As a general rule, your cash reserve fund should be large enough to cover living expenses for at least three to six months. Third is to pay down credit card debt. Credit cards are a double-edged sword. They can be powerful allies, but using credit cards can also lull you into thinking that you aren't paying all that much when you are making low monthly payments over time. Your cash reserve fund, by definition, should be liquid and safe. Many people use savings accounts, certificates of deposits, and money market funds. Savings accounts usually offer high safety, but low to no rate of return. They don't require large initial investments, and the funds are readily accessible. For most people, their main attraction is convenience and liquidity. Certificates of deposits are really just short-term loans to a bank, credit union, or savings association. They offer a low rate of return, but high safety. CDs usually require a large initial investment, 
at least larger than savings accounts, and you must leave your money for a set time period or pay a penalty. Money market mutual funds invest in a diverse portfolio of short-term financial vehicles. Their main goal is the preservation of principal accompanied by modest dividends. Money market funds are very liquid and considered to have low risk. Once you have your cash flow situation in hand, you can begin to direct that capital to more productive uses. And that brings us to our next step, invest wisely. A big part of your financial picture involves your personal investment plan. And I'm using the term plan intentionally. Without one, it will be difficult to build an investment portfolio that meets your financial needs. There are several time-tested investment tactics that might help you manage investment risk. First, you should diversify your investments. Diversification involves investing in different investment vehicles in an attempt to limit exposure to losses in any one sector of the market. As the old saying goes, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Second, you should understand your risk tolerance and design a portfolio to match. Every investment has some risk associated with it. The trick is to find investments that can help you achieve your goals and still allow you to sleep at night. And finally, manage your portfolio on a regular basis. Investing is not a passive process. It's important to be realistic about the returns you might receive over time and to realize that the market experiences good years as well as bad ones. Different funds have different objectives, ranging from conservative to aggressive to meet individual investors' goals. Mutual funds and ETFs are portfolios of securities assembled by an investment company. Their underlying investments are typically selected to track a particular market index, asset class, or sector. Because these funds can hold dozens or hundreds of securities, they can provide greater diversification at a lower cost than you can obtain by investing in individual stocks. In spite of their similarities, there are key differences between these investments. You can invest in mutual funds through investment companies and employer-sponsored retirement plans. Mutual fund shares are typically purchased from and sold back to the investment company, and the price is determined by the net asset value at the end of the trading day. By contrast, ETFs can be bought and sold throughout the trading day, like individual stocks. You often must pay a brokerage commission when buying or selling ETF shares. The price at which an ETF trades on an exchange is generally a close approximation to the market value of the underlying securities, but supply and demand may cause ETF shares to be traded at a premium or a discount. However, the ability to buy or sell ETF shares quickly during market hours could encourage investors to trade ETFs more often than might be necessary or to make emotional trading decisions during bouts of market volatility. ETFs are not widely available to investors who participate in employer-sponsored retirement plans. Diversification is not the only reason why people invest in mutual funds and exchange-traded funds. First, they offer convenience. Periodic statements describe your transactions and the details of all your accounts, and you may even be able to have your dividends reinvested. Another very important advantage of both is that they can offer a level of professional management. Portfolio managers supply the knowledge and technical experience for buying, monitoring, and selling securities on a daily basis. And finally, 
there's the advantage of flexibility. Mutual funds and ETFs enable you to customize your investment portfolio. You can choose from a wide variety of investment styles and objectives to suit your investing profile. You can also adjust quickly to changes in your lifestyle or your current market outlook. There are many different types of investment funds, each catering to a different group of investors and their common goals. Money market funds are mutual funds that invest in short-term debt investments like commercial paper, CDs, and treasury bills. Municipal bond funds generally offer income that is free of federal income tax and state income tax if the bond is issued from your state. Income funds concentrate their portfolios on bonds, treasury securities, and other income-oriented securities. Predictably, balance funds seek the middle ground between growth funds and income funds. They include a mix of stocks and bonds and seek to combine moderate growth potential with modest income. Growth funds invest in the stock of companies with high potential for appreciation, but very low income. They're more volatile than many types of funds. International funds invest in foreign stocks and bond markets, sometimes in a specific country. Sector funds invest almost exclusively in a particular industry or sector of the economy. And finally, aggressive growth funds, which aim for maximum growth. They typically distribute little to no income and have very, very high growth potential, but tend to be more volatile or considered to be very high risk. The next step to financial success is managing your taxes. Most Americans are united in their dislike of taxes. They're too high and the tax code is too complicated. Taxes are not equal. They never have been and they probably never will be. Put it simply, the more money you earn, typically the more money you will pay in taxes. It might surprise you to learn that the wealthiest 5% of taxpayers pay about 60% of all federal income taxes. That means the combined taxes of 95% of the country's taxpayers amount to about 40% of all federal income taxes. So what does that mean for you? It could mean that you're probably paying too much in income taxes. Fortunately, there are strategies to help you reduce your tax liability. There are two main categories of tax-favored investments, tax-exempt investments and tax-deferred investments. Tax-exempt investments offer income that is completely free of federal income taxes. Probably the most popular are municipal bonds, which are issued by state and local governments and are free of federal income taxes. They may also be exempt from state and local taxes if you live in the jurisdiction where the bond is issued. A Roth IRA is funded with after-tax contributions, so there's no initial tax break, but contributions can be withdrawn tax-free at any time. To qualify, Roth IRA distributions must meet a five-year holding requirement and take place after age 59 and a half or result from the owner's death, disability, or first-time home purchase. A tax-deferred investment defers taxes until funds are withdrawn, typically at retirement. Traditional IRAs and employer-sponsored retirement plans may enable you to lower your current tax liability if your contributions are made with tax-deductible or pre-tax dollars. Annuities offer another opportunity to supplement your retirement income. 
assets in all these vehicles accumulate tax deferred until you begin taking withdrawals, which are taxed as ordinary income. The fifth step to financial success is saving for retirement. An effective retirement plan identifies your retirement goals, shows you how to take advantage of all your funding sources, and accounts for the effects of tax and inflation. Without an effective strategy, you may end up with a collection of investments and accounts that don't work to help you achieve your objectives. The first step in any effective retirement plan is to calculate the cost. If you don't want to reach retirement age with an income shortfall, you should start by calculating how much money you will need to save and invest in order to live comfortably. Factors to consider include the age when you plan to retire, the lifestyle you envision, the potential length of your retirement, your projected income sources, and your current and future tax situation. Also remember that if you claim Social Security before reaching full retirement age, you will receive a permanently reduced benefit. On the other hand, if you delay claiming Social Security retirement benefits, you could receive a higher benefit amount. The sixth step to financial success is leaving a legacy for your loved ones. Estate planning may be one of the most overlooked areas of personal finance. Many people put off even the most basic step, such as drafting a will. Others have allowed their wills to become outdated due to tax law changes or changes in their personal situation. But here's the bottom line on estate planning. If you don't take specific action, the estate your heirs eventually receive could be significantly less than the one you thought you were leaving them. And the beneficiaries of your hard-earned assets may not be those you intended or desired. Typically, three main challenges stand in the way of you leaving a lasting legacy. Probate, taxes, and the potential expenses of long-term care. Probate is simply the court proceedings that conclude all legal and financial matters of the deceased. Unfortunately, there are some serious problems with probate. Most people would prefer to avoid it if possible. First, probate can be expensive. While court fees may be only a few hundred dollars, attorney fees can add significantly to the total cost, and these fees can rise significantly if the will is contested or when other extraordinary issues arise. Second, probate can take a long time, often months to a year or even more, and your beneficiaries may have to wait until probate is concluded to receive the bulk of their inheritance. Another problem is that probate offers no privacy. In most states, the proceedings of the probate courts are a matter of public record. This means that your heirs will have no privacy. Unless you take specific steps to safeguard your privacy, almost anyone can go down to the county courthouse after your death and find out exactly how much you owned, as well as how much you owed, and to who. The next challenge is estate taxes. Estate taxes are due on the total value of your estate. That means everything you own, whatever the form of ownership, and regardless of whether the assets have been through probate. Your estate includes your home, stocks, bonds, life insurance, and anything else of value. Given the uncertainty of estate taxes over time, 
you might consider estate planning strategies to help you leave more of your wealth to your heirs. Long-term care is another challenge. Most people don't think of long-term care as an estate planning issue, but what would happen to your estate if you or your spouse needed long-term care for an extended period? Statistically, 70% of 65-year-olds will need long-term care services and support at some point in their lives. Unfortunately, long-term care can be very expensive. The national median cost for a private room in a nursing home is $105,850. That's about $8,821 a month or $290 a day. Very few people can afford to pay these costs out of pocket for long. Many people mistakenly believe that a healthy retirement savings will be more than enough to cover the cost of long-term care, or that Medicare will cover the cost of custodial care. But in fact, Medicare does not cover this form of custodial care. To protect their estate, many people purchase long-term care insurance or add long-term care riders to an annuity. To help overcome these challenges, you can use four basic estate distribution techniques. A will is what most people associate with estate planning. Everyone should have a will, which provides instructions detailing how you want your estate to be distributed upon your death. It's a great start, but it won't prevent your estate from going through probate. Holding property jointly with others can affect the distribution of assets. Property held in joint tenancy with rights of survivorship will pass automatically to the surviving co-owners. Using contracts, you can pass assets directly to your designated beneficiaries. These assets typically are not subject to probate. If you plan to leave retirement assets to your heirs, you should be aware of the SECURE Act rule, effective of 2020. That requires most non-spouse beneficiaries to liquidate inherited retirement accounts within 10 years of the original account owner's death. And finally, you can establish a trust. Let's discuss trusts in more depth. A trust is a legal arrangement under which one person or institution controls property given by another person for the benefit of a third party. Many people think trusts are only for the rich, but trusts can be very effective estate planning tools for all types of estates. Some trusts can completely avoid probate. There are two basic classifications of trusts, which are testamentary and living. A testamentary trust, which is established by a last will and testament upon your death, can be used to help control the distribution of your estate and help ensure the professional management of your property after death. Although a testamentary trust does not result in any immediate estate or income tax savings upon the death of the trustor, it can help reduce estate taxes as the property passes to successive beneficiaries. However, the assets in a testamentary trust do not avoid probate. A living trust is created and funded during your lifetime. This type of trust typically takes effect as soon as it's established. It can help you control the distribution of your estate and help you manage many of the fees and taxes that will be imposed upon your death. A properly structured living trust completely avoids probate. Your estate will be available to your heirs without the delays associated with the probate process.
However, you may have to pay a trustee and incur the cost of drafting a trust and transferring property to the trust. Having additional legal documents in place not only provides a roadmap that your heirs can follow, but also offers instructions for how you want financial and medical decisions to be made on your behalf if you become unable to make them yourself. These documents should be kept up to date and in a secure location that is known to family members or trusted professionals. Here are a few of the documents that typically make up an estate plan. A power of attorney, which gives someone the power and authority to act on your behalf in certain legal and financial matters. Because some power of attorney agreements will not be applicable to a disability or an incompetency, you will need additional agreements. A durable power of attorney for finance enables you to name a trusted individual to act on your behalf, even in the event you become disabled or incapacitated. This person would make investment and other financial decisions that would affect your overall estate until you recover. A medical durable power of attorney outlines your preferences for forms of medical treatment and gives an individual the authority to make medical decisions for you if you are unable to make them yourself. Another widely used strategy is the living will. It's different from a standard will in that it outlines which medical procedures you will allow in the event of a debilitating or chronic illness. Living wills are most often used to authorize termination of an artificial life support in the event of a terminal illness. Thank you for listening to the Fed Advantage podcast with me, Dan Delatori. I hope you better understand these six steps to financial success. If you found this episode valuable, it would help me a lot if you shared it with a friend or coworker who may also find value. Subscribing or following this podcast on the platform you listen to will help make sure that you get notified as soon as episodes release. With Thanksgiving right around the corner, I'd like to thank each and every one of you for listening to this podcast. It really means a lot to me. I would be happy to answer any questions you may have or discuss these topics further. You can contact me anytime at fedadvantage.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you next episode.